And when I say like it was fun to celebrate the victory, it it was fun to celebrate the work and dedication that has gone into um, building a, an employee union in Clovis Unified that truly is rooted in what's best for kids and also bettering the working conditions for our um, colleagues. Hello, friends. This is Jason Roach, and welcome to the Ace Pod, a production of the Association of Clovis Educators. Well, this is our first episode of uh, this new school year. I know we're all excited to get back with our kiddos, and uh, we thank you for joining us here on this uh, first episode of the 2022-2023 school year. Uh, We thought today we would do kind of the state of the union uh, it's been uh, a couple years uh, now since ACE's inception. We're going into our third school year. And then we thought we would do kind of an overview of kind of where we are right now uh, in the campaign. Uh, so we have two guests. And uh, if you've been paying attention, you probably know these two names. For, uh, we have Amy Kilburn, who is in a new role, um, but is a teacher at, at Clovis East High School, and we'll get into her her new role as we uh, open the the podcast. And then we have Buchanan High School teacher Kristen Heimerdinger, and we're going to cover kind of a wide range of of topics. But it's interesting how those those topics kind of seem to be all about the the same big idea. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, an update on uh, our. Our certificated union in Clovis Unified, uh, the psychology and mental health uh, support provider union, ACE, um, and kind of what where they are in the process. Uh, we are also going to talk about, uh, of course, budget um, and get into a little bit of, of the weeds, uh, but also, you know, talk about, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the vast amounts of money that the district has. And uh, we'll get into the reserve as well. And we're going to give a little legal update. Um, and then we'll end with a, a short discussion about ACE's goals for the year. So uh, let's get to it and let's welcome Amy and Kristen to the ACE pod. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Amy Kilburn, (laughs) you have a new role, uh, in ACE and in the district. Uh, you want to tell us about that? Yes, I do. I, um, am really excited to share that, um, I, and uh, released from the classroom full-time. So uh, my official title is ACE full-time release member. Um, and I, I'm going to spend this school year working on building our union in Clovis Unified. Well, that's exciting. Now, you know, I know that one of, you know, one of the complaints and one of the things that's in uh, litigation is Stacy's, Stacy Shiro, uh, the president of the faculty senate, her release time. Um, so how is your release time different from from her release time? 
My release time is different because I am my income, meaning my salary and benefits, is not paid by Clovis Unified School District. The district is being reimbursed by due-paying members from around the state of California. That is how my um, my income, my salary, and benefits is being paid. Um, President Shiro, she is paid through the district, and that is um, any illegal. Uh, activity. And so we have uh, worked hard to make sure that we're following the law. And this is the legal way of doing things. Uh, all right. So aside from it being illegal, why is it a, a, a better model, uh, more beneficial to, to, to do it the way that we're doing it, the way that ACE is doing it? Um, because what this means is that I'm no longer beholden. I'm not beholden like I was when I was the faculty senate vice president to administration or to the district. My I am beholden to the educators in Clovis Unified um, and those educators in the state of California who are paying my salary. Nice. So, um, you know, I assume when you're you're speaking about educators across California, we're talking about the CTA, correct? Yes, CTA yeah. members. So California Teacher Association, and yeah, we often hear California Teacher Association is this this boogeyman, um, and we don't want them to come to to Clovis Unified. But um, the CTA is here, right? They've uh, been here the entire time ACE has existed, and recently we had a. I guess it's been a few months now, but we had a victory uh, in Clovis yes. Unified. So can you you talk about that? Yes. Um, I would say that CTA has been working in Clovis Unified uh, alongside our educators for a little over two years. Uh, the victory that you mentioned is our school psychologists and MHSPs. In March of last year, um, of the last school year. Wait, can I, can I stop you? Can I stop you real yes. quick? Okay, so yes. um, I think M MHSP might be uh, an acronym that some people, some folks need need some help with. Okay, mental health um, support provider. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. mental health support provider. Sorry, I forgot the S and the P myself. So mental health support providers. Um, and they were able to uh, move forward and certify ACE as their union back in March, they did um, successfully pass the petition, just like we are doing, because that's actually the vote. Uh, writing your name down on the position is the actual vote. And um, so they got a super majority support of signatures. There was another group who contested, and that is the legal process. They had the legal right to do that. And so it went to PERB, and um, PERB then that's out, and the just again got a super majority support in that election. Kristen Heimerdinger and myself uh, were able to go up and watch that vote take place at PERB and in Sacramento. It was awesome and they won. And they Tam are Tamara Samali also joined us on that trip. Yes, she did. She did. And it, and was, so it was it was fun to watch on uh, the live feed too. It was fun to hear. That's right. Uh, what was what was it? Uh, another vote for ACE. Another vote. Yes, for that's ACE. right. Yeah. And when I say like it was fun to celebrate the victory, it 
It was fun to celebrate the work and dedication that has gone into um, building a, an employee union in Clovis Unified that truly is rooted in what's best for kids and also bettering the working conditions for our um, colleagues. So it was um, a great celebration of making sure that we have a legal representative group in Clovis Unified that is going to be working towards um, making sure that there's a fair break for every kid and that the working conditions of our colleagues uh, meet the standard that our community expects for um, employees and our colleagues. Nice. So we, you know, we've had a classified union uh, mm -hmm. in the district uh, for a few decades now, right? Now we yes. have a certificated union in Clovis Unified. So Clovis Unified is a union district, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so uh, one of the first things to do now is bargain their first contract. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, you're uh, on the bargaining team as a, as a, as a teacher representative, is that? Yes, yes. Yeah. We've, um, you know, ACE organizers in Clovis Unified have always wanted to make sure that we have been part, like we work collectively together. So it's not school psychs individually and classroom teachers individually. We have always thought of ourselves working together. That is also something different than um, anything that's ever been in Clovis Unified in the past as well. There's been a separate uh, or... Um, you know, a bit of a divide there. And so we wanted to make sure uh, that ACE represented all of the educators in Clovis Unified. And so even though they have been able to move forward and certify as the the union right now or ACE um, right now, they did not want um, the, to move forward without a classroom teacher representative on their bargaining committee. Okay, so before I ask you about the, the collective bargaining and um, I, I always thought I was curious that, um, you know, Faculty Senate and uh, I guess it's offshoot ICUE um, has been so reticent to move beyond just the classroom teacher uh, as part of their their representative model. So it's I think it's uh, appreciated that we all that that ACE views um all of our all certificated staff as as part of the the same group um so you're uh in the midst of collective bargaining bargaining your first the the first contract so can you just talk a little bit about what collective bargaining is in general sure sure collective bargaining is just a process of negotiation between employers and a group of employees aimed at agreements um, and so that regulate working conditions uh, working salaries benefits and other aspects of the work environment I can tell you that in Clovis what that looks like for us is that we survey the bargaining group uh, or the unit so all school psychologists and we use that information 
information to draft articles. And um, everything that we've been doing is rooted in, like I say, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but it's st student learning conditions. Because like we all say in Clovis, you know, we hire the best and we are always focused on our students. And that really is something that's coming through in the bargaining process. How is this going to impact our students? And um, and so that's kind of what it looks like in Clovis Unified. We survey the bargaining unit, we draft articles, then we present those to the district. They come back with their um, their version of that article, and then we come back with to them after we've reviewed it, and um, and then hopefully at the end of all of that process, we will come to a um, contract that the bargaining teams, the Clovis Unified bargaining team and ACES bargaining team agree on. And then that contract will go out to the um, unit. So all school psychologists and MHSPs, and they will then uh, vote to approve that contract or they'll vote on it. I'll vote to approve it because we've spent all this work on it and surveyed all of them. Uh, but they ultimately have the end say about the contract. And then once, you know, assuming they vote to approve the contract, then we have a, a binding agreement. And, yes. Um, and then is there an interval as to, you know, how long later it would take to when when would it be renegotiated the contract? Well, they ratify, they'll ratify the final agreement. Um, and I, I, um, I don't know. I know of some districts that every two years they do the contract again. Um, it, it depends on an agreed timeline. So it could be two years, whatever, but it is something that is agreed upon, um, in, in bargaining. So there's an agreed upon interval. And then after that interval, two, three years, whatever it might be, they go through the process all over again. Yes. All right. So what are some of the things that the psychs and uh, mental health professionals are, are looking for? Okay. So um, one of the things we've, you know, I think we're, we've drafted seven or eight articles so far. Uh, the, uh, the best example I can give you is caseload. So one of the titles was of Article 4 is Workload and Caseload. I don't know if anybody's interested in titles, but they each have their own title. But um, specifically, a caseload. Example, um, a caseload right now for a school psych is extremely large in, in Clovis. And so they're, um, one of the things that they're proposing is that they hire more psychologists, more mental health support providers, so that their caseloads um, are decreased so that they can um, meet the needs of all of our students. So that means that they're not bogged down with special ed ass assessments. They're not bogged down with maybe um, crisis on campus or actually um, they're freed up so they can go deal with a crisis that happens. But that is specifically um, one instant, one exact thing that we've um, negotiated on. We also um, currently had a conversation with the district about observers. The school psychologists as a whole unit have um, been interested in coming in, observing the process and observing the dialogue that takes place during bargaining. And um, and so that was something that we had a conversation about. Our, our bargaining team was welcoming and open to the idea of having people come in and observe. And um, the school district uh, decided that that was not something that they would like to do. And if so we, we are I, currently. Can I just clarify? Mm -hmm. So that 
How many people are part of the the ACE bargaining team? Um, our ACE bargaining team has seven people, I think myself, and um, and then, but we have alternates. So what our idea is that when we're planning these meetings or we're planning and drafting our articles, everybody participates so that we're getting, because we're looking at the feedback, they have different, they were these, all of these people were elected to these positions too, for various reasons. And then, um, can you hear my dog, by the way? Yeah, it's all right. Okay. We like dogs on the podcast. Okay, thank you. Well, I just thought I should close the door because... No. Right next to his water bottle. But anyway, okay, so um, can you tell me again the question? So uh, you, you talked about this observer thing and, you know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, seven members of the ACE bargaining team. There's, you know, members sure. of the district bargaining team. And the idea was just to have a few people come in and observe the proceedings. And Yes, people who were not part of the bargaining team. They wanted to see, remember, this is new in Clovis, right? right? We've never had anybody really do this, or at least we've never had like the CSEA people kind of like really talked about or discuss what mm-hmm. this looks like for us, right? And so, um, so there's a lot of interest in how how is the district dealing with this? How are we handling? And so we thought it would be nice to be able to have um, observers possibly come in. They would not be part of the bargaining team because. Um, they weren't elected and there is some, you know, there's, there's some rules, but, um, but that, that, that is not something that we've agreed upon yet. And so we cannot have observers come in. So uh, that, that's something that we're negotiating on, but we also have like article five is job duties and working conditions. Um, Article six is hours of employment. One of the things that the school sites have talked about is the amount of time it takes to write reports and um, those are legally binding documents. And so they are talking about how can they, they, and they are the only ones in Clovis Unified who can do that. I, as a classroom teacher, can't go in and write their report for them, right? And so they're trying to write into the language some protected time so that they can do these documents and write these documents so that they are legally sound and they meet the needs of our kids. So these are some of the things that they're talking about and they're presenting to the district. And I will tell you their presentation, um, they spent hours before and then during the time when we were um, bargaining, they did even an informational presentation for the district to kind of give the district an idea of where they were coming from. And all of the things that they presented are less than 1% of our budget. And so, you know, have a so they presented these articles to the district, and what happened? Well, the um, you know, there were about twelve pages, I believe, of text of ideas of tables, and the district uh, came back. They took a while. We presented those on July, and then at our most recent um, bargaining session, which was last Friday. Uh, which I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but it was last Friday. The district um, struck through all of the text except for about half a page. And their presentation um, back to us uh, was uh, just to maintain the status quo and the status or the status of what they are doing to operate now. And, um, And so the school psychologists were not pleased with that. They had presented to increase the staffing by 12 
an additional 12 psychologists and um, to receive the status quo as um, the response was uh, disheartening. And also um, uh, just we realized that we have some work to do to um, get the Clovis Unified Bargaining Team to understand and prioritize the mental health of our students. Okay, and then you mentioned that, I mean, that's that's disheartening indeed. Um, and you mentioned, right, that this would be, what was the percentage, 1%? It's less than 1%. Less what than they one, are presenting, yeah. Less than 1% of what? Of the school district's budget. So of the total budget, their proposal would cost less than 1% of that. Yes. Hmm. All right. Any, ch any chance Any chance you want all the numbers on that, Jason? Yeah. So it seems like a nice uh, segue <laughs> into uh, the budget, right? So there's all these different uh, maxims about budget. Um, there's budgets are bullshit and show me your budget and I'll show you your values. Um, and that one really seems key at, the, at this moment. Um, you know, we all just spent, uh, you know, a, an important but somewhat disturbing hour and a half at um, Clovis North watching the, you know, participating in the run, hide, fight um, training. And there was a lot of discussion there about mental health and how, uh, you know, uh, important mental health is to um or supporting the mental health of our students is to avoiding those sorts of tragedies. Um, and it seems like a great time to spend less than 1% of the budget on mental health services. So Kristen, can we afford that? You know, so it turns out we can absolutely uh, afford the, the $4.5 million that these proposals uh, are requesting from the district. And I want to be clear that when I say $4.5 million, I think for some people that maybe is an eye-popping kind of number. Because to any individual person, $4.5 million is, you know, it's a lot of money. Like you and I individually, a heck together, we could both retire quite nicely on $4.5 million. I mean, that's a life-changing amount of money. Um, but the reality is that that is basically, uh, you know, it's, it's pocket change for the district. It is budget dust, we like to say. Um, and that's because that $4.5 million is, it's seven tenths of 1% of the district's overall budget for the year. The district has $684 million with which to work. Um, and those those amounts of money are unprecedented, and they are much larger than they ever have been before. Um, three hundred and thirty million dollars more than what they had last year. Um, and so, and so, yes, uh, the answer is yes. The district can afford it. I think the bigger question is, does the district want to afford it? Um, and and I say that because. Um, you know, budget documents really are a reflection of values. They're a reflection of priorities. Um, sometimes we say that budget documents are ethical documents that show really what the organization's ethics and values and priorities are. And so, 
to, to ask for less than 1% of the budget to take care of the, well, I shouldn't even say take care of, to better serve the mental health needs of our students. Uh, I don't understand how we, how we can't spend that. Okay. So let's, let's start here. How do we know that the district's budget, so the district's budget for the 2022-23 school year is $684 million. How do we know that? Right. So all budget information uh, has to be released publicly by Clovis Unified, by all school districts, uh, by all public agencies, um, because we are talking about taxpayer money. So the only way that a school district has money to operate is because they get money from the state of California, but that money is ultimately all taxpayer money. And anytime you're spending taxpayer money, you have to disclose what you're doing with it. Um, that's a legal requirement. So their budget documents are all public. Um, so they've always been there and they've always been available to scrutinize. One of the things that I most appreciate about my work with CTA is that we now have access to a large collection of school budget experts um, who can take the budget documents and indeed have their own um, um, software programs for budget analysis. Uh, and they have the ability to, to help us break things down and to help us understand what we're looking at. Uh, you know, I mean, it's an average classroom teacher is not going to want to read a 300 page budget document. I mean, it's just, it's probably not that exciting. <laughs> but, and, and like, I'm, I'm looking at a budget document right now. And I mean, just the average person is just going to get lost in it. It's just, well, I mean, yeah, I, there's, there's obviously, I mean, yeah, it's an argument can be made that it's complicated, but I also think that it's honestly, it's not that complicated. They have $684 million. Like, let's talk about how then that money is going to, um, to be spent. And I think this is where as a district, we really have fallen behind because there's nobody to tell us um, what the budget means or how to understand a budget except for the district. And the district is, has been very good at communicating to their community that woe is us, we don't have very much money, we're so poor. You know, I mean, the district has a narrative that they have, have followed for a number of years. And we have never had the ability to really understand the, the budget document in a way that allows us to really question that or to push back on that. Um, and, and that's the one of the, I mean, for me personally, because this is obviously a topic that's super interesting to the econ teacher. Um, it's, it's nice to be able to, to have experts in our corner to, to talk to us about what we're looking at, how to understand it and what it means. It's also, I think, uh, a nice, um, you know, cultural change where we have people now you know, asking those sorts of questions, right? And not just allowing, um, you know, the district to kind of hoard that information and just dole it right. out when they right. want. It's, well, you know, tell, tell us why this is and what's this. And um, I think that it, it's incumbent upon all of us to kind of ask those questions. Um, and for a long time, I'm not sure we really did a great job of doing that. Um, no, I mean, we, we didn't. And I think it's, we didn't have the knowledge to be able yeah. to ask those questions, but also we didn't have uh, the culture where asking those questions was, I mean, really acceptable. I mean, and, and you're not going to ask a 
question that you don't already have some idea of the answer right. to. I mean, if you don't understand something, it's hard to even know what questions to ask. Yeah. But um, working with CTA has uh, provided us with a great deal of training on what we're looking at um, and has put us just in a much better position to understand what we're looking at so that we can better advocate for our students and what they need uh, in order to in, in order to have a, a quality educational experience in Clovis. Yeah, so you know we're we're at 684 million. That's um, you know over 100 million more than last year. It's an almost an 18 percent increase um, over you know the funding from last year. Oh, I, I'm not sure about that number. I think it was 10.7 percent. But I, maybe you're looking at something different. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at 17.8% uh, increase, I think, the difference between. Uh, Is know. that just the LCFF money, though? No, that's total revenue. That's the whole budget? Okay. Yeah. All right. And, <laughs> well, I mean, see, that's, here, here we go. I mean, I think this is a great example, which yeah. is, I mean, I'm pretty versed on the budget. Like you have documents in front of you. And even between the two of us, we're still like, wait, what percentage is it? So, well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the percentage, it's a lot of money. It is a, and, a, a it is a boatload of money. Yeah. Yes. And, and the notion that, and we've probably all heard it as educators in Clovis Unified, well, we can't afford that, or we don't have <laughs> money for that, or, you know, woe uh, is us, we don't get the same amount of money as... I know. If I had if I had a nickel for every time I had to hear about how poor Clovis Unified was, their reserves might be, you know, under $100 million. <laughs> um and yeah let's get to the reserves here in a second but you know <laughs> there are these really important there there are these important needs right so obviously you know the psychs and mental health support providers asking for 0.7 percent of the the budget um seems reasonable right adding um, I mean, it does to me. <laughs> yeah, adding you know more support providers, more psychologists, right? I think the number is twelve. Um, they're asking um, for an increase in pay um, because uh, I think because they're they're starting to see people leave. For yeah, I mean, I and I think this is a super important detail, not just for the psychologists and the mental health support providers, but also uh, for for teachers in the bigger scheme of things, which is, I mean, when you can make significantly more money at a surrounding district mm -hmm. and have better, potentially better working conditions in terms of, you know, lower class sizes and, you know, maybe textbooks that yeah. are, you know, less than a decade old. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of advantages to working to other districts. And I think this is going to be a long-term problem that Clovis is going to have if they don't address it. And so the Sykes are obviously in a position where they get to, you know, force the district to address the issue of the discrepancies in pay. Um, and I, I, you know, I fantasize about the day when, when teachers can do the same thing because um, valuing and retaining a quality workforce, which is one of the district's missions um, is difficult to do when you don't pay your employees comparably to right. surrounding districts or to, or to like funded districts and they don't do either. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, you know, the, the idea that we only hire the best, that's great. We want that. <laughs> but if we want to retain the best and we want to attract the best, you know, we've got to at least approach 
Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, this, this is starting to become a, a bigger discussion. Uh, you know, if you pay attention to education kind of blogs and education media sources, I, I just read an article uh, that showed the, the gap in pay with California teachers in general. And we know we're on the low end of mm-hmm. that. Um, California teachers in general make 17.6% less than similarly college educated workers. So you can be a college, but you have to have a college degree to be a teacher in California. And with your college degree, on average, in the state of California, if you go to work at any other job, on average, you'd be making 17.6% more. So it's referred to as the teacher pay penalty. Um, and, you know, I, I, we're not here for the, for the pay. Nobody becomes a teacher expecting to become wealthy. Uh, but the reality of it is we sh- certainly should be able to make a decent living where we could do things like afford to buy a house and, you know, not worry about, um, our kids expenses and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is right. The, you know, when we've surveyed, uh, you know, our colleagues across the district, the number one, you know, there's lots of issues, class size, furniture, all that good stuff, but consistently the number one issue is, is compensation. So, um, so, and the truth is like the district can afford a lot of things, um, lots, a lot more money coming in. Um, but you know, we don't need to belabor the reserve. Um, but the reserve has, uh, been inordinately high for a while now. I think that the subject of reserves, I I mean, I agree with you. We shouldn't belabor it, but I also think you can't have the discussion on money without having a discussion about the reserves because the reserves effectively are serving as a savings account for the district. And, you know, if you, if you study public governance at all, I mean, if you have any sort of knowledge on the way that government based entities are supposed to operate I mean, they're not supposed to operate with the surpluses. It's often a joke that government money is use it or lose it. And so, you know, governments waste money because they have to use it or they'll lose it. And it's great that school districts are not put in a use it or lose it situation. But um, this, the, the Columbus Unified School District received and receives every year the money they receive from the taxpayers of the state of California in order to provide educational services to students. That's what the money is for. And so having a huge savings account like we do um, really should make everyone question, why are they not spending the money that they're being given? I mean, because they're being given the money to spend it on students. And so why are they not spending it on students? Um, and and so that, that's why the topic of reserves is important. The state requires that we have 2% of our budget in reserves, um, you know, which... That's, I would say, is the bare minimum, and I don't think anyone necessarily really wants to get that low. The board policy is 10% of our budget and reserves. Um, surrounding districts uh, around us, some are 2% districts, some are 3% districts, um, but they have anywhere from 8 to 12%. So, I mean, that 10% is, is pretty consistent with what districts, um, you know, around us are doing. Um, but, you know, uh, Clovis Unified's reserves, when we started this work, were at 26.7%. They're projected next year to be at uh, just under 21%. I mean, that still is double what they need to have. And that, that amounts to millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, that amount, it's, it's $68 million that, that should have been spent on students that is sitting in a savings account. And that is really inconsistent with the message of, of public education funding and the purpose of public education funding. 
and makes the notion that we can't afford 0.7% for mental health <laughs> pretty uh, absurd. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's, insult, it's insulting. Yeah. I mean, it's more yeah. than absurd. It's insulting. And it's insulting uh, to, the, to the students who are suffering, to the families who mm-hmm. don't know how to get their students help, and to the teachers who have the added burden of trying to figure out what to do with these kids. And to our psychologists on campus who go home every day knowing that they had needs unmet. I mean, it is, it's, it's insulting. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, so uh, according to my numbers here, the last five years, um, we've averaged uh, a reserve of about 23.4%. Uh, right. Starting with the 2017-2018 school year. Um, and then they're projecting uh, back up over 21% when they actually dropped down this year, this past school year, to 20%. So they're yeah. planning on, according to their their 2022-23 budget, to you know put $21 million back into reserve. So yeah, and I would say, boy, that $21 million could sure go a long way towards a lot. Uh, that would that would fully fund what the psychologists and mental health support or, yeah. providers are asking for. Uh, it would certainly buy some new textbooks uh, to replace those that are really aged. Um, you know, and, it would buy cu- curriculum. It, I mean, it could do a lot. It can't do everything. Yeah. I want to be clear. We yeah. always have to say, like, we can't do it all. But, I mean, we could certainly make a list of priorities and, uh, and we could spend that money. And I think that, uh, that to me is probably the, the greatest power of, uh, of an exclusive representative, which is the official title of a union is that, um, if we are organized and if we are, um, you know, unionized, then we have a way to demand that we are part of that decision-making right. process. And that is completely lacking right now in our district. And look where it's gotten us. It's gotten us to the district hoarding a bunch of money and uh, our students don't get everything they need and our pay is terrible. So we can do better. We can. Okay. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, transition um, to uh, a, an update on... Um, you know, the litigation that uh, we're going through right now. So, right. Um, well, let's start with this. Um, what it, the, talk about what's the case? So, you know, Amy mentioned earlier that, uh, yeah, yeah let's talk about Stacey, what Amy mentioned. Yeah, it's Amy's position, yeah. um, you know, being funded by the district is itself an illegal relationship. So, right. Uh, yeah. Just talk about it that is. a little bit. Yeah. It is. There, there is a law in the state of California, the Educational Employment Relations Act, a series of laws, and uh, known as ERA, E-E-R-A, referred to as ERA. And ERA, uh, <laughs> section 3543.5. You're a nerd. <laughs> and I, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I know. I'm clear on that. And I'm going to get even worse because um, our charges against the district are that they have um, violated uh, 3543.5, specifically subsection A, uh, which prevents the district from interfering in union activities, and subsection D, uh, which prohibits the district con- uh, from contributing financial support to any employee organization. And so when Amy says that the district's support of, of President Shiro is illegal, that's what she's referring to, is, is ERA 3543.5 subsection D, 
which, which, I mean, it's, you can Google it, look it up. It says that, yeah, no uh, public entity should be providing financial support to any employee organization. And the district fully funds faculty senate. So it's illegal. Um, and I think that the, the key thing is that it's, uh, they've known it's illegal since they lost these charges in 1983. So charges were filed, unfair labor practice charges were filed against the district in 1983. Um, they lost, they then appealed, they lost again. And the final ruling in 1984 says that the district should cease and desist from all financial support of faculty Senate. I mean, that was the ruling in 1984. Wait, they, didn't, um, they, didn't, they didn't do that. You know, no, they did not. And in fact, they doubled down and they've expanded their support. Uh, so, which is really curious because they got told to stop, but the way that this um, type of of legislation works, this act era, um, is that it, I mean, it, it's, it's not, we're not in civil court. We're not in criminal court. Um, it's all adjudicated by an administrative law judge. So, I mean, it's a, it's a court hearing and it's by a judge and it follows all, you know, court procedures. Um, but there is no enforcement mechanism. I mean, the enforcement mechanism is that an expectation that, you know, first of all, someone will follow the law or when they're not, and they're told they should follow the law, they will. Um, and ultimately, it falls upon us as employees to to really hold our district accountable for following the law, which I will never apologize for. I don't think that is unreasonable. Um, so the, the, that's the bulk of the charges are that the district is interfering with our organizing um, and that they are illegally supporting faculty senate. I mean, there's some other things there, but that's the bulk of the charges. And they've already lost them. And so this is why we're so confident that they will fully lose them again, because they've already lost. Uh, this time, ACE is not going away. And we will hold their feet to the fire, and we will make them follow the law. Um, why, why, why is it taking so long? <laughs> yeah. So because it's not like a traditional court proceeding, um, you know, normally when a trial starts, if it's if it starts on Monday, then you're going to be in in court and in trial every day until it ends, and it just goes the days go consecutively. Um, per the Public Employment Relations Board, who adjudicates these um, proceedings, they don't schedule that way. Um, they schedule days as needed. And in a perfect world, what would have happened is um, ACE would have declared how many days that we think we needed to present our case. The district would say, we think we need X number of days to present our defense. Faculty Senate would identify how many days they needed to present their defense because they're on trial also. Um, and all of the days would have been scheduled kind of at once, but not necessarily back to back. But the days would have all been calendared. Um, the delay in this case is because the uh, subpoena request for documents by ACE was a very big subpoena request. So... ACE required the district to review, um, they have said uh, millions of pages of emails and, million, uh, and other district documents um, and determine what meets the, the subpoena request that we provided them. Um, and they started that process like last summer and they didn't finish producing documents until July 1st was their official deadline of this year. So up until July 1st, they were continually turning over relevant documents that would help support our case to our attorneys, which means we couldn't finish our case until we had all of the documents to support what it is we are trying to prove. 
Okay, so how much how much longer? <laughs> so um, at this point now, uh, our attorneys have requested that everyone declare how much time they will need and that we get those dates calendared. Um, we expect that um, ACE will be done. Our attorneys should be done presenting our um, case in chief uh, probably within uh, probably one or two more days of court. So two days, maybe max. Um, and then um, I think the district has indicated, and I don't recall off the top of my head, how many days they think they'll need. We're waiting to hear still from faculty Senate. Um, but the goal is to get all of those days calendared and they they'll present their defense and then there has to be some rebuttals. And I mean, you know, there's some, there's some other sort of legal things that have to go on. And, uh, and then once all of the testimony is done, um, also different, I think from a regular criminal trial, certainly, um, and civil trial, this is not a jury trial, right? The judge just is deciding, um, but each of the parties uh, have two months to brief out their case, which means they have two months to provide the judge all of the relevant case law that supports their position. So even once we finish our testimony, we then have to wait um, two more months in order for all of the attorneys to brief out uh, the relevant case law. And then we have to wait for a decision. All right. It's slow. Yeah, slow. The wheels of justice. Slow. They're really, really slow. But it, it, and it's, you know, as I mentioned, because Clovis Unified has lost these charges before and because the, the behavior of the district is even more egregious now than it was before, um, we fully expect that that ACE will prevail. Um, and, you know, maybe not on every single charge because they are lengthy. Like, obviously, we have to have, have be prepared for that. But um, but we do expect ACE to prevail. And that means, by the way, that means not just that the <laughs> we've charged the district with unfair practices because it's illegal to give the support to faculty Senate, but it's also illegal for faculty Senate to take the support. And so that's why faculty Senate is also a party to this, because not only did the district provide it, but faculty Senate took it. And so, so I think that's an important thing to, to call mm -hmm. out there. They're acting as separate parties, right? They're not, yeah. They are acting as separate parties. Yeah. Correct. They are they are separate parties, um, separate representatives in the trial. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, you know, thanks for that legal update. I think it <laughs> provides, you know, like for, you know, it's been a long, frustrating, uh, you know, kind of journey with the, the legal updates, but. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, it, it, and it's also, it's uh, just to be clear, I, you know, every, um, every group, every party of interest was allowed to have one representative, um, in the, um, in the hearings. So, um, Barry Jager has been sitting in on behalf of the district, um, faculty Senate has been represented by Stacey Shiro as kind of acting as the attorney. And then, um, Vice President Bill Butner has been sitting in as the observer, and then I have been sitting in as the observer for ACE, and then we have our two attorneys who are representing us. So, um, I mean, it, it's I, I've been able to watch everything. So obviously, there's a lot that I, um, I, I there's a lot I know and a lot I can't say because we are under a gag order, um, and it's incredibly fascinating. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, I, I, bet you, I bet you love it. I, I mean, I do. I find it. I find it incredibly fascinating. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but I think and and all things considered, um, I I never expected that uh, this is an expedited case by PERB, and so we started our hearing dates last December, and I fully expected it would be resolved by now. I thought by this summer we'd be like tidied up, you know, put a bow on it and deliver the package, we'd be good to go, um, and that is not the case. So uh, and and as much as maybe that's a little bit frustrating, I think it's it's been really rewarding that um, it has not, no one's allowed sort of the, the, um, <laughs> the slow wheels of justice to, uh, to drag down our organizing efforts. Um, we, you know, we still have people who continue to organize. We still are behaving like a union. We still have um, colleagues coming to us to help solve their problems. And we're still speaking with educators and, um, and working hard on their behalf. So, I mean, that's the good news is we can, we're, we're still doing the work of organizing, um, even though we have kind of still the faculty senate roadblock in our place. In yes, place. I right. think that, I think that's an important you know, point to make that, you know, we are, ACE is a, you know, a, a, is still a vibrant and a committed uh, group of folks. And we're adding new folks uh, seemingly uh, every single day. People uh, working to kind of create a a, a better district and uh, to change the culture. So, yeah, I, I really I think that what it seems like on a lot of sites is that you know if if people maybe want information on what the district's going to say about something, they go to faculty senate. But if people want somebody to advocate on their behalf and to question the district and to push back. Uh, it seems like they're they're going to ace representatives, and I think um, I mean that that's what we should be doing as uh, as an employee group is not just giving the talking points of the district, but we should be advocating for our colleagues and our students. Yeah. So, Amy, let's you know let's wrap this up. Um, but you know we're going into our third year of existence and. Um, you know, what are the, what's the, the outlook? What are our goals here for ACE in the 2022-23 school year? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to like talk about that because part of, um, taking on this role of release time, um, you know, I never, ever, ever thought of myself ever coming outside of the classroom totally at all. Um, you know, because working with, young people, my students is the the calling of this profession, right? But um, working on ACE is so important uh, for our district so that we get it right and we build a union that uh, represents our colleagues and our students. Um, so the, our, our goal remains the same. Our goals have been the same. If it's deepening our roots and building a union that we will be proud of that represents Clovis teachers and our students. When we also want to make sure that when you hear it from us, you know it's the truth, right? I think that's part of this whole podcast experience. Uh, why we've done the podcast, it's to inform our colleagues, but also the stuff that you get on these podcasts is the truth. The stuff that you get from our social media is the truth. And that, I think, reiterates what Kristen was saying. Our colleagues are coming to us when they want to know the facts, the facts and the truth and not the spin of the half-filled cup or the big gray box. 
right? We're going to tell you the truth. Uh, we want to also encourage our colleagues to start asking questions at their site. And that's a really powerful thing to see and hear and have people come back and share with us. I'm sure the two of you can talk about that as well. But um, we want them to want to help strengthen their ability to advocate for themselves um, and also spend time that we need to engage and our, with our colleagues directly and not just assume what their issues may be, but make sure that we talk with them and survey them. That's how a union functions. And that's how ACE wants to function. It's not what Jason Roach, Kristen Heimerdinger, Amy Kilburn wants. It's what our colleagues want in Clovis Unified. So that's a big part of deepening our roots. Um, we also want to hold our district accountable to the words they put on walls. I say that all the time, all the time. We talk about teamwork, dedication, um, unity, uh, different words that really resonate with people, the docisms that are repeated over and over and over again. I want to see that in action. We want to see that in action in our district. And so that is the work that we're doing. We're holding the district accountable to these aims, to these goals, to these words. And by doing that, we're building and creating a union that, to be honest with you, because I've now been like in my role now, I've been able to talk with outside districts, um, uh, you know, that are surrounding, like people are looking to us. What are we doing? How are we establishing what, like, you know, our articles or what is our platform? What language we're using? That's really powerful. And that's great too. So that's part of deepening our roots as well, building these relationships with other districts so that we can grow as educators and grow as an institution. And the last thing that I always do say too, is that we want to preserve what we love in Clovis Unified. If you hear a lot of people talking, ACE organizers, we talk a lot about the good too, right? But we also are willing to talk about the things that we need changed. And so that that that's what we're working on. We're working on, um, you know, making sure that we grow as a district, that we grow as a, um, we grow and we better the learning environment for our kids. And at the end of the day, it's not just about collecting signatures. I mean, if it was, like, then a lot of us wouldn't be doing this work anymore. It's about empowering our colleagues to step up and use their voice to better advocate for their students and each other. And so that's what deepening our roots are. That's our goals for the coming year. And all these other things, talking about budget, talking about salary, talking about the legal case, that's all about um, making a great union for Clovis Unified. All right. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, have a great school year and uh, we'll keep fighting. All right. That's right. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Amy and Kristen uh, for joining us and for their uh, tireless devotion to this school district and to our students. Uh, we hope you've had a wonderful first week with uh, your kiddos at your school sites. Um, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, be sure to check out our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, at Clovis Educators, and then also you can visit our website at www.cloviseducators.org. Um, and we hope you have a wonderful school year. Please, uh, if you 
ever uh, want to chat about ACE or you need our support, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to your, your local ACE representative. Okay, thank you, and uh, you know, have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back at it on Monday. All right, take care, everybody.